You are to love your Lord all, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. You know, they say that the, the greatest distance in the world is the distance from your head to your heart. And I think uh, there's probably some truth to that in, in, in so many ways. And certainly, uh, others say that um, women mostly operate from their heart and men mostly operate from their head. I'm not sure that's totally true. It's not certainly true in my experience. But it certainly would tell us why we need both the male and the female spirituality or the ma masculine and feminine spirituality. And the integration of them, I think we, we can accept, is the best of both worlds in a sense. That, that there is a difference between just head knowledge and heart knowledge. And we really do need, we need to have both. I, I mean, for example, um, I mean, I think we all know what mercy, intellectually, we know what mercy is. We, we know what it means to, be, to have mercy granted. But I don't think we really fully comprehend it into our hearts until we have experienced mercy. In other words, that when we've, when we've done something terribly wrong, and we know we've done it wrong, and we were, we were in a sense, uh, due rightful punishment or consequences, and the person who is the victim of our wrongdoing says to us with complete unconditional affection, no, you are forgiven. It almost feels, almost feels wrong. Like, no, 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 punish me. Like, you know, you, know, you need to punish me. I need to, like, but we have to accept that's mercy. And, it's, and when we ex experience it, it, it really changes us. Like, we're never quite the same because we always remember how this person was merciful to us. Or even probably more kind of universal is that of love, right? That um, when we, uh, we all intellectually understand what love is, right? I mean, I don't think any of us need to under, need a lesson in that. But when we, are ex when we experience love, when we are loved and we love somebody, uh, like when we're loved, not for what we've done or for what we have, but when we're loved for who we are, with all our warts and weirdness and for all our gifts and strangeness, that we are loved just the way we are, and when we actually feel that in our hearts, that changes us. And that, the, the gap between the head and the heart just disappears, and we totally understand what love really is. You see, it's this... Um, joining of these two poles, these two sort of two ways of thinking, often called polemic thinking, right, is, is the joining of two of them is what Jesus was constantly hammering away at in Scripture. We hear him all his entire uh, life that we see recorded in the Gospels and the Scripture is he's trying to bring these two together. And, and sometimes it's almost comical the way the disciples or those his audience can't seem to get it. And there are those other times it's far more subtle, where Jesus is trying to get a more nuanced point. And today is one of those more nuanced ones. And Jesus was asked by this scholar, well-meaning, probably God-fearing scholar, and says, what's the first commandment? I mean, he wasn't trying to do it necessarily to trap Jesus, but he was looking to find eternal life. And, and, and Jesus says what is the law that came from the Deuteronomy, the, the first reading, which is the law, they would have known it off by heart. Every Jew would have known it by heart. It's called the Shema. 
And they would have known you loved the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. They would have ran off their tongues with no great effort. They knew, had knowledge what it meant. But Jesus didn't settle there. See, he drops it down into the heart and says, oh, and you have to love your neighbor as yourself. Because that's really where, if you would, the practice gets in. Really, rubber hits the ground right there. Now you've got to love your God, but to do so, you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. I, I mean, here's the thing. It was like, and, and today, we got these candidates and catechumens who are joining us, and it's in a special way. Like, I think we all know uh, who Jesus is. And we all believe. I mean, and, and that's why you're here. You're believing to come to follow Jesus more deeply. And we all, I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be here. You believe in Jesus. But the, the second part of where this practice comes in to, to, but do we follow Jesus? You see, nowhere in Scripture, not in a single place in all of Scripture, does Jesus ever say, come and worship me. Never once. Not even a single time has he ever said those words. But he said multiple times, over and over again, come and follow me. You see, I, I think that's the temptation for us. For us is we, we stay up in the head. That we know when we believe in Jesus. And that's a head intellectual trip. But unless we bring that down into the heart, which is what we're called to do in discipleship, following Jesus, doing the hard work of loving, then we really, we really don't get Jesus. It's a very subtle thing for us Catholics and, and in Christians in general. It's almost easier to worship Jesus. It's a temptation because we think we've done our duty. We come, we worship Jesus, and then we leave. We've done our job. That's what I, I went to church on Sunday. But that's not what Jesus says. Here is a food to go to follow Jesus, to, to go and to do as he has done, to love as he has loved. So then it comes the question, then who is our neighbor? Who is this person? And, and, and again, we have to look to Jesus because Jesus leads the way. He shows us how to do this and how to do it really well. He, he picks out the orphans and he picks out the widows. He picks out the lepers and he picks out the blind. Why? Because they're, the, they're on the periphery. They're the ones who are least able to be, take care of themselves and the ones who are pushed out. And Jesus says, those are your neighbor. The ones who are furthest away. In one sense, it's easy to love those who are closest to, although I'm not always sure that's true. But, <laughs> but I, I think we'll go along with it. It's easier to love those who are closest to us. But I think what we have to do is we have to open our eyes to see those who are on the periphery of our lives and, and, and to notice them like Jesus noticed them and to love them as we love ourselves as evidence of our love for God. And that's what you as candidates and catechumens are going to hopefully learn from this community is how to do that well, which means we all have to do it really, really well for them to witness it, them, for them to see it. And that's why we come to the Eucharist every Sunday, because we know, if we're honest, that's hard work. It's not easy to do that right every, every single Sunday, every single week from here. So, but then we have to ask the question specifically for our own lives. And I can't answer this. You have to answer this for yourselves. Who is a neighbor in my life? Who is the one who is the furthest extremity of mine? So who, who do I not notice that might be really in need of help? And that might be a loved one 
who we know who we haven't been loving as well as we know we should. So today, let us not get fooled into just worshiping God. I mean, that's great. Worshiping Jesus is great. But let's make sure we follow Jesus. And let us make sure we, we take to heart that we are called to love the Lord your God with all our heart, with all our soul, all our mind, with all our strength. But more importantly, and more for us, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves.